Chris, hello, good afternoon, welcome. Afternoon, how's it going? Awesome, really, really well. All good. All right, cool. So thanks everyone for having me. So might just jump in and get started. So I guess the theme of my talk is really about how to create advocacy through storytelling. So just a little introduction. Uh, my name's Chris. I'm a lead product designer at Future Friendly. Um, just a little background on us. So we're a design and innovation studio based out of Sydney. And our main focus is to partner with organizations across finance, government, and um, mental health to really create sustainable change um, in the everyday products that, and services that we all use. And one thing that gets me really excited when working with teams is um, to being able to experiment with great ideas and building things that, you know, really create that real change in people's lives. And I guess over the years, I've seen some great ideas that don't go ahead. Um, and it's not necessarily because they're not great ideas. Uh, it's because they simply just fall on deaf ears. Um, they're challenged before they've had a chance to get off the ground and even to start experimenting from and basically to learn from. So I think the point of today is really that, you know, we need more advocates for great ideas than we need challenges. And at my time at Future Friendly, I've been lucky to have worked on like a large breadth of projects. So from things like uh, apps for smart beds, uh, coaching teams on how to better collaborate and designing like one-on-one -on -one financial wellbeing services. And I guess within that, I've had the opportunity to present at many levels, both as just an individual and also as like part of a team. So today is really about sharing some of the insights of what I found works and also what I found doesn't. And that really brings me to my mission for today, which is really about um, how you can share, um, you know, and how to evolve your storytelling. So I want to see storytelling evolve from simply, you know, having the audience see and hear facts and ideas, which typically get challenged, to taking the audience to a place where they understand and connect with their ideas. So this leads them to become advocates of the work and, you know, really help drive it forward. So I think the first question on everyone's mind is, you know, why is it so hard to create advocates? Why have we all faced those challenges? And I think that, you know, as humans, we have this thing called uh, a truth default. So if you ask a stranger for um, directions to like the train station or when this talk was supposed to start this afternoon, your instinct is just to believe that they're telling the truth. You know, it's how our society functions. It's how we're trained to interact with each other. Uh, if everyone assumed that everyone was just trying to deceive everyone else, um, nothing would get done. But with believing new ideas, um, this just isn't the case. So we're built actually to be skeptics. So we're built to, um, I guess, poke holes in ideas, in theories, really ensure that everything has been um, considered and, um, you know, um, taken on board before agreeing. And this is especially the case in large organisations where some issues have been around for sometimes 10 or more, more so years. So, um, you know, it is our instinct to be sceptical. Um, you know, we have that approach of, you know, someone must have tried this before. Um, but, you know, most importantly, it will require someone to change, maybe like their past opinion, their job or how they research uh, resource projects. And the way people typically challenge ideas falls into these six buckets. So starting with um, being credible. So are you the right person to be sharing this idea around the problem? So is that the right problem? Um, do you understand it enough uh, around the vision? So what's your idea? Like, what is the thing you're trying to get me to connect with? 
around believability. So I don't really believe it, even though you have a bunch of facts and figures there. Uh, around practicality. So can you actually can we actually do what you're proposing? And then being around, um, you know, aspirational. So is it aspirational enough for me to care about it, me to advocate it, and for me to kind of stick my neck out for it? And, you know, we need to tackle each of these points as we're telling our story, but we need to tackle them in the right order and in the right way. So this is the storytelling arc that we that we want to take someone on, and the order here is really important. Um, this really enables people the breathing space to be able to believe things as they go, and slowly ticks off all of those points and leaves you on that high but not unrealistic note. Um, you know, we're going to start off with why we're credible as a foundation. Really set the tone for the rest of the story. Um, next, we're going to share the problem space, which is um, opinion led on you know what we're all working towards. Um, they're going to be backed up by human stories on why this is the right direction. We're then going to frame our vision as something practical, something that's digestible and in the realm of reality. So actually, how can we actually start tackling this as an organization? And then lastly, we end on that aspirational note to title together. So what I'm going to do now is just, you know, deep dive on each of those points and go about how we typically go about telling each part of that story. So the first thing you need to do is ensure that your story is credible. So before sharing anything, I think that um, what you need to do is to be honest and upfront. Um, you know, these are not new ideas. Um, every idea has been shaped by previous or current research. Um, this is especially important when dealing with large organisations where other teams or individuals, you know, may have been working on the same problem for quite a long time. So it's important to bring them along the journey, um, bring them into the fold, uh, lean on their experience and really, you know, stand on the shoulders of giants in that case. And practically what this looks like is um, we just use a simple slide at the beginning of any of our decks or anytime we're sharing a story with any of our clients. Um, this is an example of how we basically start anything off. Um, we frame this up at the, whether if it's at, you know, the absolute beginning of the project just kicking off or at the final demo. Um, and what we're doing here is just showcasing how we've leveraged past thinking as well as sharing in a succinct way of like who we've engaged throughout the, pro, you know, throughout the entire process, what research we've done, et cetera. And it's a flag up front that you're being honest and, you know, you are standing on the shoulders of giants and you're not trying to reinvent the wheel. The next one is you really need to clearly define the problem space. So without aligning on the problem space, it's impossible for everyone to agree on a solution. So by agreeing on the problem, you're able actually, you're actually able to have sensible conversations on what can actually solve that problem. Otherwise, you constantly have these moving goalposts that everyone's trying to work towards. So, you know, if my understanding of the problem is different to your understanding, is different to like Barry from accounting, you know, how can we possibly align on a single solution that solves, solves like five different perceived problems? And these problems aren't set in stone from the beginning. You know, they evolve as we learn more. You know, we're always refining the problem statement and constantly sharing it throughout the process, making sure that people can actually connect with it and, you know, the language is correct and that everyone kind of like aligns on what that is. So let's cover what is a good problem or how to frame one. So a good problem needs to be the root cause. You really need to explore and find the underlying problem you're trying to solve. Um, the example I'm going to give here is one we crafted for a previous banking project. So the root problem here is we're unable to meet basic needs due to a fragmented customer experience. So 
One of the key things here is it's written as a declarative statement. So by writing it this way, you're forcing the audience to either agree or disagree with it. You can't actually sit on the fence when you write it this way. Um, and the next layer is a symptom. So you also really need to highlight the symptoms of the problem or the so what. So the interesting thing about symptoms is there's usually multiple of them and they typically fall from the customer's perspective and the business's perspective. And I think it's really important that you play back both. Um, you know, so for the symptoms for the customers is that, you know, customers always have to start from scratch when applying for products. No one shares their preferences and their details with other teams. And the impact on the business there is like the business is frequently suggesting the wrong products due to not having the full picture of the customer. You know, and by doing this, you can show how by just solving this one underlying problem, you can benefit, benefit both the customer and the business. So the next one is that you have to share your vision for the future state or where you're going towards. So when presenting your ideas, it is your role to help the audience, you know, make decisions, not just provide them with more options. So one of the biggest problems I've seen in some presentations with some internal teams is that, you know, the teams doing the work try to act impartial about what to do next with that information. And, you know, it's simply not true. You know, like by being a part of the design or research process, you actually did view all of this. Like you had all this information like passed through you. Um, you know, you're in fact creating opinions or you have opinions on the problem space and the solution to solve it. So to really create advocates, you need to share your opinion and not just the facts. And this is because it's actually really dangerous to assume that just by presenting that impartial view, that they're going to come to the same conclusions as you did. You know, this isn't a formula. Um, and by writing it down and sharing it, you're both inviting, you know, critique, but also more importantly, that alignment. And one way to share the team's opinion on where you should go is to write down a clear vision statement. So vision statements should really clearly describe the future you're designing for, but also describe what everyone gets when they arrive. So both from the customer and the business's perspective. So, you know, by creating a vision statement early on in the process, I'm talking like first week on the project, um, it really helps stakeholders really connect with that future state and it avoids that big reveal at the end. And again, you know, these can evolve over time. I think it's just important to, you know, put it down early and evolve it over time rather than have this, you know, ta-da moment that you have at the end um, and then have people have like really bad misalignment with where you're actually trying to go. So this is an example of a vision statement that we did just for an education provider. Um, so what we were working towards, um, I guess the vision was uh, an experience that supports students to explore, compare and choose the right course for them. And the outcome that we get, so, you know, what do we actually get when we actually deliver this vision is, you know, students will be able to confidently select courses based on their interests, preferences and suitability. So by breaking this, by breaking it down this way, it really helps plant the flag on like where you're trying to get to. Um, it, you create a situation where like by writing it this way as well, like that is actually what we're trying to deliver. And if they don't agree with it, it's, it's a good way of flagging upfront before moving further on on the project. And, you know, like having a vision statement is great, but, um, you know, another thing to consider is, you know, you've been living and breathing this for a less problem space for a very, very long time, longer than anyone else you're going to be sharing this with. So it's equally important to show how it fits within the larger picture. And this can be in relation to, you know, other streams of work going on, um, other priorities within the business. Um, the next thing you need to do is to connect your facts with human stories. 
So for something to be, to be like believable, like it has to be true, like that's like a given, but um, it's not the only thing that's needed. So you need to take your facts and figures and attach them actually to a human story and make the human story the hero of the narrative. You know, if you want your audience to believe you, you need to make your stories, you know, relatable. You need to make them human. So just a quick example of this is, um, you know, this is a quote that was referenced when we were doing some financial well-being pro uh, work. Um, you know, it was a used a lot with the client's internal communications. I felt like they mentioned it every, like, second meeting. So the statistic that was played back for quite frequently was that one in three Australian households would be unable to find $500 in an emergency. Um, you know, that's quite a powerful statistic. But the problem with any statistic, no matter how powerful it is, is like, sure, the first time that you hear it, it's going to be shocking. It's going to make you sit up in your chair. Um, but by like the 85th time you hear it, um, it does start to become dull and it does lose its edge. Um, and what you can actually do is combat that with real human stories from your research. So um, this is one quote from testing that we had from the exact same project. So this is a reaction to a scenario where they had to budget for $50 less a week. And Joel in that, uh, in that scenario said, well, I guess I wouldn't just buy meat that week. Um, you know, this made everyone on the project kind of like sit up and take notice. You know, we all had that underlying assumption that, you know, of course, maybe uh, Netflix would be the first thing to go or some other luxury item or they would stop using Uber Eats or catching Ubers to work, for example. But no one actually considered that the type of food that they would be purchasing would be impacted. So I think it's really, really important to play back what you think will help the audience connect with the human experience and what you've observed in testing. So the next thing you need to do is break down your idea so it's um, it's practical. So this, say you've got this big idea, um, you've got this vision, you know where it needs to go, it's groundbreaking, it's going to lead to lead to systemic change and solve issues for both the customers and the business. So the initial reaction of people is that sometimes isn't great, like people are going to freak out. They're going to be, there's going to be hesitation. They're going to be risk adverse. It's going to kick in, especially for the teams that are required to actually deliver on this work. Um, the solutions that lead to, you know, that real change are typically seen as too big. So what you can do to actually combat this is break down all of the work into sizable chunks. And we use the Three Horizons roadmap to do that. So this is the shared plan for the organisation to demonstrate how what we're doing today ladders up to that strategic vision. And it's great to align, um, you know, wide groups of stakeholders, especially those with like competing priorities. Um, the first horizon is really about laying those foundations down and, you know, doing the absolute minimum to get something out the door and live in the world. Um, you know, shifting to that third horizon, this is where the goal is, um, where we all want to get to that future state that we've created. And the second horizon here is really the bridge to get there. So, you know, with something live in the world, um, you know, we can focus on building those key foundations required so we can actually deliver on that vision. Um, you know, as an artifact, this simply isn't enough just to create in silo and then just to hand over. You really need to create confidence in it by, you know, throughout the entire process, building this with the teams and the leaders that are actually required to deliver on it. Bring them apart, you know, bring them into the journey, help you know, get them to help prioritize the work. 
Um, and this is how you get everyone from, you know, leadership to the teams on the ground to really believe and advocate for the work moving forward because they can see a clear path to get there. The next thing you need to ensure is that your presentation is digestible. And this isn't just tied to PowerPoints or keynotes or something like this. Like even if you have everything stuck up on the wall and you're kind of doing a, a walk the wall um, presentation scenario, um, this still holds true. So the first thing is to just have one idea per slide. Um, and you should do this for two reasons. You know, one, it forces you to say in the simplest way, what is the point I'm trying to get the audience to understand? And the other reason is, you know, why this is really important is it helps the, you and the team to be succinct in your messaging. It really forces you to cut down on jargon and say exactly what you mean on one slide without any room for interpretation. And I guess that leads into the next point is that it is really important to speak like a human and really just avoid that industry jargon. You know, I've been guilty of this as much as anyone else using like design and research buzzwords. Um, you know, it really, I'm thinking that it brings power to my presentation and a bit of like gravitas. And of course, they'll listen to me because I use these words. But actually, I found the complete opposite that I found that when simplifying my language, that it actually enables more people to actually contribute to that idea rather than shying away just to, you know, a lack of understanding. So you can create a more inclusive environment for everyone to contribute, share the idea and, you know, just by simplifying down the language. And I think that's all something that we can agree is a good thing. Another thing that can make your story um, really practical is to, to just use diagrams. So um, by using diagrams to explain concepts, you're just enabling the audience who may have a more visual learning style to, to follow along, um, I guess, easier throughout the process. So here's an example of a diagram uh, for a design principle we did in relation, in relation to goal setting. And um, before I started doing them like quite frequently, the thing about diagrams is, you know, I used to shy away from doing them. I thought they had to be overly detailed, overly scientific, overly polished, um, you know, but they really don't. All they need to do is simply communicate the underlying concept you're trying to get the audience to understand. You know, in this simple diagram, you can see how like the customer can't visualize their goals because they're focused on today's worries. But the consultant in this scenario has the ability to help visualize those goals because they're not clouded by those same worries, obviously, because they're not the same person. You know, people are going to divert to their learning style of preference. So if you have like a powerful diagram to explain it, it's just going to help everyone follow along the story, uh, especially those visual learners. Um, and then the other thing that creating diagrams um, does for the team is it helps everyone distill the concept into something that can be turned into a diagram. Um, it, can't, like, it can't be multifaceted. It just has to say one thing at a time. And then lastly, you need to make it aspirational. So it's important to end on an aspirational note. You know, leave them, you know, with that idea of, you know, what the change we can make by moving forward with this idea. Um, even if it's just to move forward a little bit and just start experimenting with it, you know, get them excited about that. Um, you know, don't go with the easy option, you know, be bold and figure out how we're actually going to deliver on that vision, do the hard work, bring the teams in and actually um, figure out how you can create a clear path towards delivering on it. You know, I've been talking for like 15 or so minutes uh, about storytelling. Um, I'm really excited to, you know, see how, you know, everyone takes this forward and enables others to believe with your ideas because, you know, the next time your, you or your team comes up with a great idea, you're actually able to get it off the ground 
and start experimenting with those new ideas. Um, you know, because that's kind of what the world re- needs right now. We don't need teams and organizations just going around in circles. We don't need designers and researchers, you know, squirreled away, coming up with innovative ideas that never happen. Um, we really need that change now. Um, cool. Thanks, everyone, for your time. I guess we've probably got a little bit of time for some uh, Q&As now. Thanks, Chris. Yes, we do. We even have a question. Uh, Daniel's posted a question just to kick us off. Um, is the aim to have a single problem statement or is it okay to have multiple? I think it's okay to have multiple. I think that um, I think the problem... <sighs> I would probably just split it out and just say, like, what is the number one problem you're trying to solve? And maybe use that as an opportunity to show that um, there are other problems in this space, but get everyone to align on what is the most pressing one to solve right now. Um, Because, again, if everyone thinks that we're solving five problems, then they'll expect five different solutions for it per se. Yeah. Rather than different ways of talking about the same problem. Yeah, and I think that's really important as well is like sometimes when people frame up a different problem statement, they're kind of talking about the same thing. But I think that's why it's so important to share this narrative with people as you're going so that you can actually have that conversation and go, is that actually the same thing? Is it um, like the the stories that you're talking about, like are they a snapshot in time? Do they change over time? Can they? I think they're the representation of the work that the team's doing. So they definitely evolve over time. Like the the structure and the narrative um, should stay the same for, I guess, the the engagement or after the engagement. But those stories do evolve. Like that vision statement, even if we read it, write it week one, is not the same when we deliver it week 10, for example. So, um, yeah, I think that they do actually evolve over time and that's, that's, that's really important. Mm. I think one of the um, one of the real opportunities for design research, and I think one of the the real opportunities for both the insights we create and the and the stories that we tell, um, is that they can become richer over time. Um, I, I I don't think we're we're quite there yet in terms of having um, good methods and good techniques for building that richer view of a of a of a customer or a participant or a person. Um, over time, but I, I think if we've got good stories, then those stories can build and, and evolve. Yeah, absolutely. I think that um, I think it's like a balance. Like you don't want to get in a situation where you're doing a discovery every time you talk about the same problem, or you're talking yeah. about something that hasn't been solved before. I think maybe it's then like, why hasn't anything been done about that? Um, mm. But, yeah, I think it is important that so that you can have this packaged up in a way that anyone can really speak to it and they can get it to a stage where, um, you know, people are um, presenting on your behalf in a way. Like the best case for us is when the client is actually presenting back the final demo with us to the rest mm-hmm. of their stakeholders um, and they are recalling times that they came to testing and they were telling, they're telling those human stories. So, and they're the yeah. things that really stick with people is those, like, those little weird stories that they hear in testing or those reactions and that's really what that sticks with people. It's not the the mm. statistics. Yeah. I know um, um, a CEO of a hospitality business um, that I, I, I really like and I, I like working with him. Um, 
but he goes and visits his um, his locations on a regular basis and he'll sit down and introduce himself to people and find out about them, like just, you know, and he, he does it in a different location at least a few times a week where he'll just go and sit down. But they're the stories, they're the people that he talks about when he talks about, um, you know, either why they do what they do or why they do it in the way that they do it or his idea for a, a new thing in the future. It's always seeded by an idea that came from a conversation, which is really, I think it carries such a weight um, of authenticity with it. Yeah, absolutely. I think it just, um, it does a really good job of cutting through bullshit when it comes to, um, you know, if there's a particular directive or there's an assumption that this particular feature or product will solve that problem. And it doesn't matter how long someone's been um, working with it and the teams, but as soon as you make it real, put it in front of people and get those real reactions, that's what that can, like, that will um, travel far that it didn't yeah. work and this was actually what was said. Yeah. Yeah, it's it's um, it's it's great when you see those stories sort of propagate through the organisation and um, reach out beyond the project team and beyond the research team, but sort of get out into other parts of the organisation. So it's a really good sign. Chris, thank you so much. That's been um, a, a, a great um, a great insight into storytelling. Thank you. No worries. Thanks so much. Thanks everyone.